Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. In today's episode 250, and we're going to take a look at what was called or is called the Pullman Strike. But before we dive into that, I want to give a big shout out to my listeners because as usual, you guys are awesome. We love to see you here. So a big shout out to Virginia, Oklahoma, California, New York, Texas, Pennsylvania, British Columbia, Florida, Illinois, Oregon, Georgia, West Virginia, Indiana, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Ohio, Minnesota, Alabama, Washington, Nebraska, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, District of Columbia, DC, aka the swamp, let's drain it. Let's see here. Big shout out to Mississippi, Kansas, Tennessee, Rhode Island, Louisiana, North Carolina, Nevada, Maryland, Michigan, Iowa, New Hampshire, Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Manitoba, Hawaii, and Newfoundland and Labrador. In terms of sorry, in terms of countries, I'm talking too fast, I apologize. In terms of countries, the United States, Singapore, Canada, the Russian Federation, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Australia, India, Niger, Slovakia, South Africa, Japan, Denmark, Uzbekistan, the Philippines, Bangladesh and Hong Kong. I haven't read much about Hong Kong lately, but I do know there have been issues there uh with communists and they're trying to deal I'm trying to think of the best way to describe there's how to describe this. So Hong Kong has had a lot to deal with in terms of capitalism fighting against communism because communism always destroys capitalism. So Hong Kong is probably going through a lot with that. So we we pray for you and we pray that you always remain capitalist and a free country and that you're always free in what you do as long as it's legal and moral. But I do know that communism has been trying to spread, you know, drastically and so I'm not a big fan of that. Not at all, because communist China has definitely been a big problem. So Hong Kong, we, we care about you. We love you, and we pray for you very much. Hang in there. Um, you know, just just keep hanging in there, and just all I can say is just don't give up. Do not give in to communism. Do not give in to communism. It's not good. But let's go ahead and dive in here into the Pullman strike. So. We haven't discussed this in detail, but it has been mentioned because we have talked about railroad workers in times past in previous podcasts and so this strike has come up a couple times in regards to railroad strikes and unions as well as the different laws that have been passed in regards to arbitration, which I'm not a fan of arbitration because it sucks, mediation is way better. So this will be very interesting uh, to see how this went down because I don't know a whole lot about it, so this is new to me as well. So the Pullman strike it took place from May 11th 1894 to July 20th 1894 so that that's quite a long time for a strike to occur so it's it's in the middle of summer and a lot of people travel during the summer so kind of one of those things um the location it began in Pullman Chicago and then spread throughout the entire United States I'm not surprised by that um the goal of this strike was to have union recognition wage increase and rent reduction uh, let's see here In terms of what all they practice in terms of methods for the strike, um they had protests and demonstrations and it was not a successful strike. So, let me see here if it tells me any more about this. Um the parties that were involved in this was the American Railway Union, railroad workers and then the Pullman Company, the General Managers Association, the US National Guard. So obviously um the National Guard had to be called in to stop the strike. I'm not surprised. Um let's see here. 
In terms of railroad workers, there were about 250,000, give or take, in terms of railroad workers that were involved in this. And in terms of the Pullman Company, the General Manager Association, and the U.S. National Guard, there were about, give or take, 12,000 people involved in that. In terms of casualties and losses, some people actually did die, unfortunately, with this one. Um, there were about 70 deaths. There were 57 inju- uh, injuries and over four arrests. So... Um, Very interesting there on this, but let's go ahead and dive into this just a little bit more. It says the Pullman strike um, was two interrelated strikes in 1894 that shaped national labor policy in the United States during a period of deep economic depression. I'm not really sure if that's true because, I mean, here's the thing. Um, the, you, know, you can have an economic downturn, but in terms of a economic depression the united states did not really have a, a depression until the 1930s so just fyi sometimes when people are writing these things if they're trying to write it in such a way that's like pro union then they'll just kind of make stuff up i mean the the economy has its ups and its downs but you also have to remember that you know this is like about 30 years post civil war so you have to remember that You know, during the Civil War, obviously you have the North against the South, and quite a few people died, uh, mostly men died, in that Civil War. And so you have two totally different economies, right? So you have the North that was very much more industrialized, and then you have the South that was more uh, farming and not so much industrial prior to the Civil War because that was just, you basically had two different economies that existed within one nation, which was the United States. So this isn't long after um, the, the end of the Civil War, and so people are having to find new jobs, especially in the South and also the North. Their industry changed a little bit as well, but the North, they were already, I would say, significantly ahead in terms of technology because they had more industry up in the North as opposed to the South. So for, for someone to write this and say, oh, you know, it was during a period of deep economic depression, I don't believe that. <laughs> I just don't believe that because, first of all, um, if you want to talk about economic depression, then you should really talk about what happened to our economy here in the United States, especially in the South, right after the Civil War ended. And then later on um, in the 21st century, when, when we actually had what was called the Great Depression, and here in Oklahoma, where I am from, We not only had the Great Depression, but we had the, the, the Dust Bowl. So we kind of got the two-for-one special, but it didn't feel special. So just FYI, I'm reading uh, material that was not written by me, not by any means. And so needs to say sometimes I agree with this stuff, sometimes I don't. And I think that things need to be legit. And I don't think that um, – well, let me put it this way. Not everybody says it like it is, but on this show we do. So if I disagree with something or I see the, the faultiness on something, I'm definitely going to tell you guys because I don't like being lied to and I don't like misrepresenting something, which is, which is exactly what this statement just did, where it said that, oh, the Pullman strike, this happened because there was a deep economic depression. Like, like that's an excuse to go on strike and cause problems. It's not. See, here's the thing. I guarantee you a lot of these issues occurred long before a strike broke out. So if anything – Labor unions and workers, they're not always smart in how to handle their problems. So a lot of this stuff, it just it percolates and it percolates. You know, it's almost like a pressure cooker on the stove. You know, here's the thing, that the, the water and the temperature inside the pressure cooker, when you have the heat on, even if it's just gradual, 
it eventually does get really hot, but it takes time, right? And then you have that thing that that sounds like a choo-choo train on top, you know, it goes like that. It takes time for it to do that. So, you know, I guarantee you a lot of strikes and a lot of labor unions if they would just handle stuff immediately and not wait till it boils over, then a lot of this stuff could be avoided, but they typically don't do that because either A, they don't really know how to handle stuff and B, they like to wait until they can demand a whole lot of wages. So, you know, a whole lot of wages and and pay increase when it's like, okay, you could have asked for this years ago, but you let things get really bad and that's not how you handle things. Because, you know, we we have a responsibility, I would say as believers in Christ Jesus as well as workers, you know, you have the responsibility to just say it like it is. Just literally, you have a responsibility to say it like it is and just let the chips fall where they land. See, because there's a the thing, if you never say it like it is, then you're part of the problem. And there may be some people that they don't like being told that, but that's just how it is. So I do not believe that the Pullman strike um was a result of issues that were taking place because or during a period of deep economic depression. Bull. Bull. I don't believe that because you think about what a deep economic depression is. I mean, think about that. So, you know, workers, especially during this time, you have to remember that a lot of people immigrated to the United States before during before and during this time frame. And some of them were communists. Some of them immigrated from the Russian Empire. So, a lot of them um, were very much against capitalism. They're they're very much against banks, but yet they want money. So there's very much a lot of greed and fascism and Marxism and communism. So FYI, be aware of that because you will never be successful or win in life at all if you practice any form of communism, Marxism, or socialism as well as well as communism, because it just doesn't work. That doesn't mean that you can't strive for having a better job or or that you can't, you know, request or demand higher wages or better working conditions. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that under capitalism and democracy, that's really the only arena where you can actually make those demands and get what you want to a certain extent. But just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to get it. So for example, you have said this before with railroad work, It's very similar with oil and gas work. Like you can make all these ridiculous demands about pay increases and safety, but here's the thing, the nature of the job is already not safe. Can they make it safe for sure? But there's only so so much that they can do considering the nature of the job. And also, you can make demands all day and all night for more pay, but if the company is not actually making more money, and if it's not feasible or plausible to pay people a whole lot of money, for goods that that are not being sold at the right pay or rate then then you really can't make these unrealistic demands. So you just kind of have to I don't want to say pick your battles because I think you should say it like it is no matter what, but what I don't like about labor unions especially during this time they they take something that could have been handled a while ago, they wait till it gets really bad so so that it looks bad like to the public and to the media. So that way they can say, "Oh, look, look what this employer did to us." It's like, "Okay, well, when did you know that this was going on?" Well, about 5 years ago. "Oh, really? Well, you know, why didn't you handle it 5 years ago? Why didn't you bring it to their attention back then?" The truth is is that they wanted to wait till it looked really bad. Well, isn't that technically lying by omission? 
I mean, seriously. So just a lot of this stuff you have to take with a grain of salt because we're also looking back in time, and our perception is different than their perception, but also their perception is not always correct. Just like ours is not always correct. But here's the thing: you have to remember that during this time frame, there were a lot of I would say there was a lot of malcontent, and the more we had communists immigrating and fascists immigrating here to the United States, the more we had labor unions spring up, and the more um, problems they they caused within the United States. Because you have to remember that some of these labor unions, they blew each other up. Like if they if they didn't like another labor union and they wanted the contract that they had, they would literally send them a bomb in the mail or they would blow up their headquarters. So these are not all sweet innocent little citizens. Oh woe is me, you know I'm I'm oppressed and depressed. Really, did you blow anybody up? Like I just kind of have to go really. So that that's that's your your tune these days. Misery, oh misery. Sing a new tune, bub. You know what I mean. So you just kind of have to take a lot of this with a grain of salt. You know, again, do workers have rights? Yes, they extend from the Constitution of the United States for sure. But here's the thing: sometimes workers make extreme demands that are not feasible, plausible, or realistic. And other times, sadly, you know, their demands are all those things, but the employer doesn't want to meet those demands. So here's the thing: if you, if you're not getting what you want or what you deserve in your pay or your job or or your industry. And, and you're not getting anywhere really, then you need to switch jobs. You need to just go elsewhere because here's the thing: if enough people leave an employer, they'll change. That's just how it is. If they're like, "Hey, I don't like your unsafe business practices," if enough people leave, they will change. That's just how it is, because you have to recognize the I would say your your stance of strength comes from your integrity. So if you don't lower your standards, then that means you are raising the bar. You're not lowering the bar, and because you're raising the bar, you're saying, "Hey, I know I'm not the owner, but I deserve better than this." And here's why. Here, here's the downside to labor unions on some of this. You know, sometimes they raise the bar, and they hold people to a really high standard, which is really good. But sometimes labor unions, they, they like to piggyback. These extreme and unrealistic demands that that are not Christian, that are not holy, and that are basically a form of greed. Now, not all of them do that, but I'm saying that there's only so much that you can ask for, and it be plausible, and it be realistic, and that it not be you know go a mile or you know you you know you give someone an inch and and they take advantage of you for a mile kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things. It kind of reminds me of like a used car salesman. You give them an inch, they they take a whole lot more from you. You know what I mean? So you just have to be careful about those things. And both sides of this are guilty of that: the workers and the employer. So just be aware that no party is completely innocent in these strikes. They just are not. And there are times that I'm more on the side of the employer because I know what trade unions and labor unions are like. Because a lot of them were founded by communists and fascists, so I don't really trust communists or fascists. That doesn't mean that they don't have rights and they don't have a point, but it's just that there's always a ulterior motive to try and take over someone else's company and suck it dry of the money. Well, that's exactly what happened in the Soviet Union, and that's also what has happened and is happening in communist China and other communist countries. So just please be aware of that. So you have to take these things 
with a grain of salt. And this is why you know, I often say in my podcast, especially in the description, that knowledge is power. You know, I think it's very easy I think it's very easy to say, "Oh, well, yeah, rich people are bad." Really? What makes them bad? Just because they're rich? You know, just because someone's rich doesn't mean they're bad. If if they became rich from ill-gotten gains, then yeah, they're bad. I I I would agree with you on that, but just because someone is extremely financially successful, success is not equivalent to evil. It's just the opposite. It's just the opposite because God blesses the 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 work of our hands and the and the fruit of our labor. So usually and most times when someone is successful and they are they are rich, God is blessing them. That's usually what it is. Now are there rare circumstances where there are bad employers for sure? I meet them all the time especially in Oklahoma because a lot of bad people, people may not know this, but a lot of bad people moved to Oklahoma because they don't want to be found in Los Angeles or New York City or Miami because that's where i would say the government typically looks so you know i i've met a lot of crooked guys from the middle east that have moved here and they moved to you know kind of what are considered podunk not very not seen as very relevant states like Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas because they they think oh well i'll just move there make a lot of money and not pay the workers you know what they ordinarily would be paid and I'll just make a lot of money and then I'll retire and move back to the Middle East. You know, with all my money. That's what a lot of these guys do. Now, mind you, it's not Middle Eastern women doing this because a lot of them when they move over here, especially with their families, they are still being dictated by um I would say Sharia law that is being implemented within their families. Like I have never met ever. I've never met a Middle Eastern woman that immigrated over here founded a company and just screwed people over. Middle Eastern men, there are dime a dozen that do that because they don't love, honor or respect the United uh, the United States whatsoever. So, you know, you you have to be I would say aware of these things because just because someone wants to do business with you that doesn't mean that you should do business with them. So, needless to say, you know, there are bad employers out there, especially foreigners. I'm not a big fan of working for foreigners. I'm just not or with them per se. because you have to remember that whoever you are doing business with you're you're doing business with a person that they're going to operate their business in the way that they know if that makes sense so in the middle east and also in india and i would say also africa as well they practice they have a lot of human rights violations so they bring a lot of that knowledge not caring that's a, that a lot of what they know and a lot of what they've done and that they want to do is a human rights violation and breaks the law they don't care because they they've been programmed to do things a certain way and they have a love of money unlike anything that we have ever seen here in the United States so even though we are going to talk about different strikes and things like that and different businesses on this podcast you know just hear me out on this that greed is way worse in other countries because they they truly do not value the human race and and they love to put people in a certain class and keep them there forever whereas here in the United States we don't have class warfare like that we just don't we just don't and for those that say oh well we used to have it no we didn't you know ever since the founding of the United States as a country okay we have had the the ability to move up or move down 
in terms of social class or status and how much we make based on what we want to accomplish and what we want to be successful in. You have the liberty and the freedom to do that. Even other countries, you know, I would say other countries to this day you can't do that. Because there's Sharia law, there are theocracies and there's communism, there's fascism and there's socialism. I mean, just look at what Trudeau is doing to his people. It's horrible. He is an idiot and a moron and he's a playboy. I mean, he's just he, he's just To me, it's just a big fat disappointment because he's nothing like his dad. He's just nothing like him. I think his dad was a lot smarter, a lot better. I didn't. I don't agree with everything his dad said or did, but I just mean like in terms of diplomacy and leading Canada into a better direction. Uh, his dad did a way better job, but you know this Trudeau guy, not so much. I think he has a lot of growing up to do because he's he's very mature, unfortunately. But anyway, um, getting back to the Pullman strike. It says first came a strike by the American Railway Union, also known as ARU, against the Pullman factory in Chicago in spring 1894. When it failed, the ARU launched a national boycott against all trains that carried Pullman passenger cars. So basically, because their strike failed, oh, they're going to punish everybody. <laughs> See, that's what I don't like about strikes and labor unions. You either give me what I want, you either give me what I want, or I'm going to throw a hissy fit in aisle seven at at a Toys R Us. I'm going to punish even more people. So if you don't want to be punished, do what I want. That is not appropriate. That is just like the air traffic controller strike in the 1980s. Not appropriate. Very stupid, and just it's greed. It's greed is what it is. Goes on to say the nationwide railroad boycott that lasted from May 11th to July 20th, 1894. was a turning point for US labor law. It pitted the American Railway Union against the Pullman Company, the main railroads, the main labor unions and the federal government of the United States under President Grover Cleveland. I'm not familiar with this president, so I'll need to look him up. The name's not ringing a bell, but I'm not very knowledgeable about all of our presidents that we don't really talk about anymore. But anyway, it says the strike and boycott shut down much of the nation's freight and passenger traffic west of Detroit, Michigan. Now, is that fair to people that need to get somewhere? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not fair because you have to remember that freight cars they carry cattle, they carry food, they carry grain, they carry all this stuff. So basically, the entire United States suffered because of these idiots, these morons. You know, they basically want to make everybody else feel their pain. How does that help anybody? You want know I mean? to meet it's just dumb. So it goes on to say the conflict began in Chicago on May 11th when nearly 4000 factory employees of the Pullman company began a wildcat strike in response to recent reductions in wages. Most of the factory workers who built Pullman cars lived in the company town of Pullman just outside of Chicago. It was designed as a model community by its namesake founder and owner George Pullman. You know, it was very common for owners if they were going to employ a lot of people and if the town or area was not built up, then the owner and the employer built up that area so that way their people would have a place to live, they would have a place to buy groceries and they would have a place to raise their families. That's not uncommon. That is how a lot of communities are founded and built even to this day because you typically move and live where you work. I think duh you know would be a important sign to have here with that it says as the panic of 1893 shut down much of the economy i'm not familiar with that panic so we'll have to look that up um railroads stopped purchase of new passenger cars from pullman 
When his company laid off workers and lowered wages, it did not reduce rents, and the workers called for a strike. Among the reasons for the strike were the absence of democracy within the town of Pullman and its politics, the rigid um, control of the workers by the company, excessive water and gas rates, and a refusal by the company to allow workers to buy and own houses. Here's the thing: the company can't stop you from buying or owning houses. That that's bull. That the, the company doesn't have no employer has that control over you. That's bull. That's bull. Here's the thing: if if the company owns the house and they don't want to sell it to you, then of course. You know, of course, that's how that is because you don't own it. And if someone doesn't want to sell you something, then they just don't want to sell it. But you know, a company cannot stop you from buying and owning a house unless you're talking about the houses that the company actually owns because it's what the company owns. You know, it's one of those things that what a company owns, it is their financial business assets. It doesn't belong to the workers. You know, the workers, what they should have done is they should have bought their own land and built their own houses. If that if that was an issue, so needs to say it's just kind of a a conflict of ideas. It's you know unfortunately sometimes these people that built these towns for their workers, they kind of enabled people to live in a socialist society or a communist society, and then when the worker wants more, the employer's like no, like this is what it is. Then that's when the worker strikes because they're like well you know we really want the gravy train. It's like well you have to work for that gravy train. That's just how it is. Grow up. Goes on to say they had not yet formed a union. Founded in 1893 by Eugene Debs, the ARU was an organization of railroad workers. Debs brought in ARU organizers to pull them, so he's going to cause some problems here, and signed up many of the disgruntled factory workers. So he's recruiting. So it, it's a recruitment. It's like a you know here's the dog whistle. You know that's what that is. When the Pullman Company refused recognition of the ARU or any negotiations, ARU called a strike against the factory, but it showed no sign of success. To win the strike, Debs decided to stop the movement of Pullman cars on railroads. So he's going to go hog wild on this. He's really going to punish the company here. The over-the-rail Pullman employees, such as conductors and porters, did not go on strike. Debs and the ARU called a massive boycott against all trains that carried a Pullman car. So basically, they're going to They're going to punish all other companies, all other train companies that use Pullman cars. So punish everybody for the few. Makes no sense. It's evil. It's wicked. It affected most rail lines west of Detroit, and at its peak, involved some 250,000 workers in 27 states. The American Federation of Labor (AFL) opposed the boycott because the ARU was trying to take its membership. So they're kind of having a pissing contest here. The high prestige railroad brotherhoods of conductors and engineers were opposed to the boycott. Interesting there. The firemen brotherhood, of which Debs had been a prominent leader, was split. The General Managers Association of the Railroads coordinated the opposition. Thirty people were killed in riots in Chicago alone. I'm not surprised. Chicago has been a bad place for a long time. Nothing new with crime and corruption and dead people. It's just how it is.、Uh, it says here, da 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 da. I'm going to skip that next one, that next sentence, because that's dumb. Okay, so goes on to say the federal government obtained an injunction against the union. I'm not surprised because they're causing problems. Debs and other boycott leaders ordering them to stop interfering with trains that carried mail cars. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so not only are they disrupting cargo, but they are preventing people from receiving their mail. So that goes against the USPS, right? 
So they are interfering with the mail. Well, that is a federal agency. You can't do that. <laughs> so, you know, these unions are not very smart. <laughs> you don't mess with the federal government and you don't mess with people's mail because that that is a federal crime. It says after the strikers refused, President Cleveland ordered in the army to stop the strikers from obstructing the trains. Violence broke out in many cities. I'm not surprised. It's just like Black Lives Matter. It's really stupid. And the strike collapsed and for good reason. Uh, defended by a team including Clarence or sorry Clarence Darrow, Debs was convicted of violating a court order and sentenced to prison. Good for him. The ARU then dissolved. Well, I'm not surprised by that. A little bit of background to this strike. It says low wage, excessive or ex- it's expensive rent, excuse me, in the failing ideal of a utopian worker settlement. See what I'm talking about here? They wanted utopia. Okay, utopia doesn't exist. It does not exist. So get over it. Oh goodness. And the failing ideal of a utopian worker settlement were already a problem for the Pullman company workers. Company towns like Pullman were constructed with the plan to keep everything within a small vicinity to keep workers from having to move far. Well, that's that's understandable. Uh using company run shops and housing took away competition, leaving areas open to exploitation, uh monopolies and high prices. That's not always true. Um in these towns, there is competition. Like like you can't just only have necessarily one grocery store and things of that nature. Like wherever people are, there's going to be competition. That's just how it is. It says here these conditions were uh, exasperated by the panic of 19 or sorry 1893 again I need to look that up because I'm not familiar with it. The already low wages were reduced by more than 20% while the high rent cost remained unchanged. Here's the thing. Um that's called real estate folks. If you don't like it, get a better job. Get a better job. That's that's the easy solution. Get a better job or move. Duh. See here here's the problem with utopia and socialism. it it causes a big problem because then people don't understand the value of their labor they don't understand currency and they don't understand that regardless of what occurs they are still responsible for themselves their wages and their their bills <laughs> so utopia does not work utopia is not going to happen until you you get to heaven if you go to heaven so you just kind of need to you kind of need to remember that that utopia it it's just dreamland it's just la la land it's not real it's not feasible it's not plausible And you know all it is is a bunch of people living off of someone else's gravy train and eventually that train's going to stop. It's just how it is. So it says the employees had no choice but to file a complaint with the company's owner, George Pullman. Pullman refused to reconsider even dismiss the workers who were protesting. He has every right to do that. Um the strike began on May 11th, 1894, when the rest of his staff went on strike and they have a right to strike. You know, it goes both ways here. The company owner, George Pullman, refused to lower rents or to go to arbitration. So here's the thing, arbitration doesn't work because it almost always sides with the employer. So what's interesting is that this guy did not even want to go to arbitration. Isn't that interesting? Even though arbitration usually is on the side of the employer, this guy, this owner, this company owner did not even want to go to arbitration. I think that says a lot. Now, talks a little bit about the boycott. It says many of the Pullman factory workers joined the American Railway Union, uh, led by Eugene Debs, which supported their strike by launching a boycott in which ARU members refused to run trains containing Pullman cars. Um, that is just a little bit of a repeat. We're going to talk a little bit here about federal intervention. So it says here the strike was handled by US Attorney General Richard uh, I think it's Olney 
who was appointed by President uh, Cleveland. A majority of the president's cabinet in Washington, D.C. backed Olney's proposal for federal troops to be dispatched to Chicago to put an end to the rule of, of terror. In comparison to his 8,000, uh, that's dumb. Okay, so this is totally a rigged article with this because they're talking about what this attorney got paid. That's bull. Okay, so basically they're trying to say, well, look how much he got paid, but yet he's trying to um, – Or he, he wants federal troops to go in on, you know, go and stop these workers from being on strike. You know, what someone makes, you know, their wages, if they work for the government, has nothing to do with trying to stop a strike that is greatly hindering, basically, this country. So, needs to say, whoever wrote this article is probably a communist. So, I'm not going to read much more of what they have to say on that because they're a liar, a fake, and a phony. Um, but let me just sum this up since I can kind of read through the, the BS on that. So basically, uh, Mr. Pullman, there probably was something going on in the economy that was causing some form of inflation. So basically, he was having to lay off workers and he was also having to lower wages. But here's the thing, just because he's lowering wages and, and laying off workers, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that, that he can or should lower his rent. So that tells me that there's something going on within the economy that he is feeling the squeeze as well. So needs to say, like, he can't just lower the rent. I mean, how is he supposed to, you know, pay real estate or real estate tax or all this stuff? Like, everything costs money. So here's the thing. Just because workers make less money, that doesn't mean that their employer, you know, continues to make more money or the same money. Because usually when, when wages are lowered... That is usually a sign that there is a problem within the company. Something's going on with the goods and services. Something's not being sold. Something's not being shipped. And so there is a decrease in profits, okay? So if there is a decrease in profits, then that means there is a decrease in your profit margin. So if you have a decrease in your profit margin, that means that more than likely you're not going to be able to pay people as much as what they were making, but yet you still have to pay your bills as well. So that's why, you know, like for example, you know, we're dealing with, with rent and mortgages here in the United States. It's kind of like how in California it's absolutely stupid how much they charge people. You know, California brought on that inflation all on their own. California, back before, I would say back before the 1970s and 60s, California used to be a reasonable place to live. But because so many liberals and Democrats moved out there and kept voting Democrat and kept voting at all these people that, that raised taxes and created all these new taxes, it made it very, unaf very much unaffordable to live out in California. Well, whose fault is that? <laughs> It's the people that elected these bad officials. It's people that believe in high taxes, and then they have the nerve to complain about inflation, the economy, how much things cost out there. They have the nerve to complain about real estate. It's like, you did this to yourselves. So here's the thing. You know, there's a difference between, you know, the economy having problems on its own, okay, as opposed to you setting yourself up for failure. So here's the thing. Utopias... Always set people up for failure, always. And, it, and it's way worse than any other stupid system because it is a stupid system. Now, utopia, this utopian kind of way of looking at things, it, it's kind of like, um, it's basically what communism wants you to think is great. But here's the thing, 
even under utopias there's always going to be someone over you someone that makes more money than you but here's the thing in a utopia aka communism you can't move up that's the thing you are stuck at whatever level you are at because whoever is over you expects you to be happy and grateful for what you have that's why utopias suck and that's why they are a problem that's why socialism doesn't work that's why communism does not work that's why i would say fascism doesn't work so it's one of those things like stop putting other people in charge of your life and your wages that's the problem if you have a true democracy and true capitalism then then you can go wherever you want you can live wherever you want you can have your own gravy train but if you're constantly looking to somebody else to feed you to pamper you to house you you're definitely going to have some problems because that person who is feeding you and housing you whenever they get hit pretty hard by the economy what makes you think that they are still going to have a gravy train for you when they don't even have as much gravy that's the problem with socialism communism and the stupid utopian welfare socialistic packages like this these programs they they just don't work they just don't work So if you don't like where you live, move. If you don't like your job, get a different job. If you don't like if you don't like your employer, get a different employer. Like it is up to you. We are not communist China. We are not India, whatever kind of caste system they still have there. You know, we are not the Ukraine, which is very corrupt, very evil, very wicked. I mean, we are not the Soviet bloc, which again is corrupt, evil and wicked, which includes the Ukraine. Like just think about like we we are not like these other countries, right? So if you if you don't like your current circumstances, change them. Change them. Change them for the good. Change it, you know, to have a better life, not a worse life. That's the thing. Unfortunately, what a lot of these workers did in the Pullman strike, they didn't get their way, so they caused a lot of problems, and one of the biggest reasons why their strike failed and why it went down pretty bad was because um I think the first offense was trying to stop all trains all trains okay and then interfering with people receiving their mail that is a big problem see cuz there's a thing sometimes people get paid with checks in the mail isn't it interesting that these workers want their wages and they want higher wages but yet they are interfering with people receiving their mail which also includes a paycheck see that's the greed and the ungratefulness of labor unions that that is the the heart and soul of a lot of these strikes and these labor unions they don't really care about other people it's oh well you know we've got a hard life you should just do what we want i don't think so i don't think so you know you have the freedom to work for someone that's going to pay you less or you can just go work elsewhere you know the the pullman company i guarantee you was not the only company to be in that industry They could have gone and worked elsewhere. And what's interesting is that there were several other labor unions that were against this strike. They were against what these people were doing and how they were going about it because they were punishing everybody in the United States because they didn't like what was going on in their life. Okay, you know, stop spreading misery. Stop spreading misery. It's not our problem. And I don't mean that negatively. I'm saying that you know what's interesting is that you know whenever 
Whenever things are going good, they're like, "Oh yeah, we want credit for that. We want credit for that. That's because of us." But when things are going bad, they don't want to take ownership of anything and they don't want to be responsible. That is the problem with trade unions and labor unions. It's gimme, 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 gimme. Let me take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. That's basically their national anthem. And it gets so old and unfortunately with this strike, I mean, it was I think I think it's estimated that about 70 people died and 57 people minimum were were injured and you know several people were arrested and and the federal government had to send in federal troops. You know, folks, it has to be really bad, okay? It has to be really bad for the federal government to send in federal troops on something like this cuz that tells you that there's rioting, there's violence. And basically they probably had to implement martial law. That is chaos. That is exactly like what Black Lives Matter did. Seriously saying, anarchy is never the answer. So the federal government they very much had to intervene and say, "Hey, you know, you can't be acting like this. You can't do this. Not only are you causing a problem for your employer, you're causing them pro- you're causing a problem for your community, your your state, and the entire United States because now you have helped to institutionalize a, a boycott where where you don't have the right to do this. You have the right to not participate in something, you have the right to strike, but you don't have the right to hinder everybody else just because you did not get your way. That is exactly why the air traffic controller strike was halted by the president of the United States which at that time was president Ronald Reagan. See that's the you know, these 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 unions that pull these kind of strikes that can definitely affect the entire United States that is evil and greed. Evil and greed. It's horrible. I mean it's just you know a lot of people think that American greed is just that that show and you know it's just only you know bad people in the United States and it's just only a certain you know it's just a certain type of person that practices american greed and it's just rich people that don't care about other people that kind of greed is actually very rare it's actually very rare it's few and far between okay the actually the most common type of greed is what takes place within labor unions and trade unions because they typically try and take over other people's companies <laughs> and suck it dry of its money If that's not greed, I don't know what is, but needs to say, I do not agree with this strike that happened in 1894 and I don't really feel much sympathy for these people. I don't. Because they obviously do not understand or or they did not understand currency, they did not understand the economy, and they obviously did not understand private property. So needs to say, this is why sometimes the government whether at a state level or a federal level and in this case it was definitely at a federal level this is why sometimes the government has to intervene because people are being you know they're they're practicing lawlessness I and mean, if you have an issue with someone i mean fine you have an issue but don't ever practice lawlessness like that's not appropriate so it needs to say that's why the federal government sometimes gets involved with these things because something has happened and something has escalated that that warrants basically the federal government intervening and or sending in troops sometimes people die it's unfortunate but it does happen i'm not a fan of it but you know what this strike 
and these deaths and these issues could have totally been avoided. But because these people, these workers in in this union were combative and did not even care to follow state and federal law, that's where it becomes an issue. Like you don't have to be a genius to know the law. You don't have to be a lawyer or a judge to follow and understand the law. I mean, you you literally don't. Like how many of us have have been to law school? You know what I mean? But yet people typically have a general understanding of the rules of society. The problem with this strike was that it violates state and federal law and it also went against the rules of society. Because they wanted their utopia. Well, good luck with that. Because you're not going to get it. Utopia does not exist. It is a lie straight out of the straight out of the pits of hell. That that's where it's from because to to live in this mindset of gimme 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 let me take 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 let me live on the gravy train but not really be responsible that's evil behavior because you're not being responsible for yourself or your family or your work or your labor or your wages that's why it's evil that's why it's not right you know it's interesting is that people back then during this time i would say that there there were way more christians in the united states back then and yet look at this behavior See, here's the thing. A lot of this behavior did not start taking place until communists and fascists and Marxists immigrate over here to the United States from what was considered the Russian Empire, eventually became the um, the Soviet Union. You know, what's interesting is that most of the time American workers never acted like this. They did not act like this until people immigrate here to the United States and start planting these seeds of doubt and hatred towards their employer and towards their neighbor. That's not the American way and that's not the Christian way. So needs to say this is why I'm not a fan of of strikes or labor unions or trade unions because it's not godly, it's not Christian. They technically have a right to do it under our laws, but it it's not godly behavior. It's not. And if you want to know what godly behavior is, read the Bible. Read it. Uh my two favorite versions right now is the New International Version and that is the Leadership Bible. and then also the what's it called there's another one it's right here amplified there it is the amplified bible um that is a really beautiful translation as well because it basically extends the translation it's really good so it it's kind of like whenever you have a short sentence and then they they extend it and they give more meaning to it because it's it's kind of a truer translation or a more detailed translation of the greek and hebrew um in terms of the amplified version but for sure get yourself a bible read it and understand that it's it's not right to be mean to your employer or or go against them in in this kind of fashion should you speak up for yourself yes should you call them out on things that you don't like or don't agree with yes but you should never punish the entire country just because you don't agree with something that your employer is doing in your town and your city like the the issues that were going on in chicago that should not have been felt by the rest of the United States but that is exactly what these people did they caused problems these people were troublemakers they were ungrateful workers i'm not saying that they didn't have problems i'm not saying that the employers perfect not by any means i'm saying that they caused way more problems than what they were having to deal with in terms of dealing with their employer all they had to do was move and get a better job duh I mean just keep it simple folks but they did not do that and so needs to say 
um, it, it caused a lot of problems, and because it caused a lot of problems that they did, it led to a lot of violence, and that that's their own doing. So good luck with that, but don't act like that. Um, but I will go ahead and end this podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, and that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye bye. Don't let this world go down without a 